0: I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Cook, and this week my guest is Dr. Alexis Shields. Alexis is a naturopathic physician who is also a digital nomad who runs her business completely virtually as she's living in different locations around the world. And this interview is part of our Real Wellpreneur series, where I just like to feature real wellpreneurs living and working in a different way to really get the ideas going in your head of, wow, you know, I can take almost any type of business and do it online. Like we talked about earlier this season in the first episode of this season about freedom and flexibility, you know, it doesn't have to be about travel, but I, freedom for you can mean whatever you want it to mean. It can mean working three days a week or taking the summers off or traveling around the world or a bazillion other things, right? So it's really about getting clear on what you want in your life and then shaping your business to fit that. And that's exactly what Alexis has done. So you might think that working as a doctor... You might not be able to work online because how are you going to see patients? And you'll find out how Alexis has been able to work within these restrictions to really grow a thriving business. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. And during this interview, Alexis mentions a whole bunch of tools and books and various things. So I've put all of those in the show notes at WellprinterOnline.com. In case you miss any of them, you can just hop over there to get them. The other thing I don't want you to miss is your chance to plan your amazing upcoming year. So as you know, I've recently released the Wellprinter Planner, which is available on Amazon worldwide. Just search Wellprinter on your local Amazon site and you can get yourself a copy. We're talking about planning a lot in the Wellpreneur community group. So if you'd like to pop in, look at my Facebook lives that I've been recording about planning. We've got a podcast episode from just a few episodes ago about 2019 planning specifically. And if you're looking for a buddy to talk about your plan with, like somebody else that's going through the planner, you can also come join us in our Wellpreneur community group and post up to connect with somebody there. Now, don't forget, actually, my Wellpreneur Planner has no dates in it, and that was really intentional, so you can start it at any time. I know some people like to plan their year on their birthday and run it that way. Some people run their year with the school year or the tax year, or maybe you're just hearing about this now, some other month. You don't have to start it in January. It's never too early or too late to plan your year. It's always helpful to take a step back look at what worked what didn't take a look at the big picture and make a plan forward to grow your wellness business so again you can grab that well printer planner on amazon and i would so appreciate if you do buy the planner once you have a chance to use it if you just remember to pop back to amazon and leave me a quick review because those reviews from people that have purchased through amazon really help other people to discover my work people that don't already listen to the podcast. And I would so appreciate that. So if you could pop onto Amazon and leave me a review, that would be totally, totally awesome. Okay. So let's hop over into my conversation with Dr. Alexis Shields. Hi, Alexis. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. So I came across you online because we're in a business group together, and mm-hmm. I checked out your website, and I just thought it was so cool. You're a naturopathic physician, and I love the way that you presented yourself online and how you work with clients virtually, yes. and I, I want to talk all about that. So yeah, I'm super all excited right. you're here. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is great. So first of all, I always like to start by asking, how do you describe
1: what you do? So like you were saying, I'm a, I'm a naturopathic doctor. When I originally set out to go to naturopathic school, I, you know, was all set to become a primary care doctor and have a physical brick and mortar practice, which is what I did 4 years after I graduated. And then I kind of have these these dreams and aspirations to start, you know, doing some travel after I graduated since my whole life was spent in school. And I met my husband in school and we decided to kind of sell everything that we owned move across country because all of our family was on the East Coast and and the school that I went to was on the West Coast in Portland, Oregon. And so we sold everything and so we didn't have, we were kind of, you know, starting fresh. And because we were starting fresh and kind of deciding what we wanted to do. And, you know, in my mind, I was going to set up a practice in Washington, DC, which is where my sister lives and some of my husband's family. And we decided to take a break and kind of travel since we didn't have anything, you know, going quite yet. And Long story short, we ended up in Thailand and Chiang Mai, where there's this huge group of online entrepreneurs. And I kind of what I did and what I what I thought I was going to school for and what I'm doing now is, you know, I'm still an naturopathic doctor, obviously, but I'm doing very different type of medicine. So I'm not a primary care doctor. I specialize in working with entrepreneurs and executives and helping them by using blood work to determine what they need to do to either improve their health or optimize their health, and really track their health as as the years go on. So it's, it's something that just kind of is it's a specific niche that I found when I was traveling because people were asking me about it, especially you know people that travel a lot and they don't have they don't have a home base. They were asking you know I I went to the clinic and got my blood work done. I'd really like to have you take a look at it and see if you have a different perspective than maybe my general practitioner. And so. It was just something that kind of fell into my lap just traveling and meeting people and seeing what the needs were and so now what I'm doing is working with that group of people 100% virtually at this point helping to optimize health or improve different areas of that person's health using an in-depth assessment
0: of their blood work. That is so cool. And I I'm glad you shared a little bit about how you came about to the came around to discovering that the blood work angle was like your niche. Because I'd I'd wondered that actually, like, it seems like such, when you look at your website, it's not like you're saying, oh, I work with busy executives or I work with stressed out women or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. You're like, I do blood work. And I was like, like, wow, I wonder how she found that. So it was really just through that. That's what people, people just don't understand their blood work and want somebody to look at it.
1: You know, it kind of found me, but I also, I love, I'm a numbers person. I love data. I love tracking things over time. It's something that I do in my own life and with my own health. And I just didn't really make that connection, I don't think, or I finally made that connection when people started asking for it, that I like really love digging into the data, seeing the numbers, following health trends. It's something that I really enjoy. And so it kind of, it found me and there was a need for it. And I realized how much I really like doing it and that I really wanted to get better at that aspect of things cuz in you know in school we learned so many different things and i mean especially in medical school it's just you know it's like drinking from a fire hose and it, there's so many different aspects and areas of health that you're learning especially when you're a primary care doctor because you're not specializing in one specific thing and so i needed to kind of find what my thing was that i could get really good at because you just can't get good at everything obviously so that was the the one thing that i wanted to dive into and really learn more about learn how to really get good at it and one of the, I mean, I'm still learning every day and because more and more information is coming out about this. But one of the biggest things that I've realized is that when you go into the lab and you get blood work done, there's this wide reference range that most often for most tests is determined by that individual lab. So the population of people that go to that lab, you know, thousands of people are getting their blood work done. And that's how they create what the reference range is. So what the normal reference range is, but as you know, a lot of people that are going into labs to get blood work done are not representation of the healthiest population of people. So basically that wide reference range, just because you lie within that doesn't mean that you're healthy or that your body has optimal function and optimal health. And so what this kind of journey has been is to figure out what are the reference ranges of healthier populations of people through studies, looking at athletes and people who you know, live a long time or are just healthier, more health minded people, what does their blood work look like? And then how can you compare that to, you know, when my clients come to me with their blood work, can I compare that to the healthier population reference ranges, rather than just the wide reference range from the lab?
0: Mm -hmm. I'm curious when you were so you were living in Chiang Mai. And were you practicing at that point? Or had you taken time off? What was going? on?
1: Yeah, essentially, I was taking some time off. But what happened was I had a few clients. So I had a practice for four years in Portland, Oregon, after I graduated. And I had a few patients that had moved away to different states that didn't have naturopathic physicians. And so I was already doing some kind of virtual calls with them to check in and talk about, you know, different diet and lifestyle things and supplements and things whenever they needed help. And when I moved and you know started traveling, I still maintain relationships with those clients. And so, you know, every once in a while I would check in or they would call or they'd need something. And so I did kind of on a very, very small scale with just a handful of people, probably five. I had kind of, you know, this regular type virtual practice with those five people. And it was very, I mean, looking from where I was then to, you know, what I'm doing now and all the systems that I have in place and involving, you know, a very small team of people, but still a team of people. It's its come a really far way and really transitioned over that that last six years. But initially, it was just, you know, doing some calls. And when people started asking me to look at their blood work and and see what I thought about it, I kind of started to make that connection, like, oh, I could really, you know, I could do this virtually with, you know, the people that continue to travel, I could do calls with them, just like I'm doing with these others. And, and then, you know, the, the biggest thing that I needed to figure out was, because, you know, medicine is so physical, so medicine, you really need to do exams and you need to have some way of, you know, obviously you have the questions that you ask and people telling you their different signs and symptoms and things. But also, you know, there's this big aspect where you need to do physical exams. And I needed to find a way where online I could have something like lab testing, which is kind of what that became to be, is, is the blood work is really not a substitute for the, for exams by any means, but I can work with their local physician who is doing physical exams and doing that kind of thing when we need it. But then we also have the blood work side and, and, you know, the functional medicine side that I'm fulfilling for them.
0: So as you started, you know, when you had that realization, like, wow, okay, I'm working with some clients online, but maybe I could turn this, like, maybe this could become my business that I could work all virtually. How did you figure out, what to do like how to start to build a clientele virtually yeah that
1: was um it's a work in progress still <laughs> i would say i've really been focusing on this and building it over the last 3 to 4 years it took a while for me to kind of you know play around with the idea and i was still traveling a lot and internet connections were always an issue and i was really my priorities were travel and that you know that 3 to 6 month short travel that, you know, sabbatical that I thought I was going to take turned into many years. So I was really focusing and the priority was travel for two to three years. But about the last three to four years, I've been focusing on building my clientele. And originally, it just started by word of mouth, which was good for me, because I really didn't know how there's not really a template. And, you know, there's more and more tools now that more and more, you know, people are working online and health coaching is a really big thing. And there's, so many good resources out there now. But when I was doing it, I didn't really know about anything that was out there yet. And it was kind of when a lot of that was starting to happen. And so I was really just experimenting, seeing what worked, seeing what didn't work, trying to find online resources to kind of pull that all together. And it was very word of mouth based. I've done some kind of Facebook ads and some various different podcasts, you know, being guests on podcasts has been a big thing for me for sure. And in the beginning, I did a lot of that and it really helped to, you know, bring in some of my bigger clients that have remained with me for a while. I mean, I did a little bit of that, but most of it was word of mouth and building that slowly over time. And although it built a little bit slower, it was kind of, it took a year, I would say, for me to get like a solid base of clients through word of mouth. But that was, I think, good for me because I really didn't have all the systems in place to handle a large amount of people. So. I would say now, you know, I'm I'm looking into doing a little bit of marketing and things, but really the word of mouth has brought me the best clients and now it's like kind of like a well-oiled machine where that it comes in very regularly. It's my favorite type of clients. They already have that kind of trust component built in. And so, yeah, it's it's maybe taken a little bit longer than if I were to just jump into online marketing and and I think it's continually changing what you need to do, but for me personally, really doing, you know, building by word of mouth was a really big deal and it's had a really good result.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad you said that because word of mouth is huge for every business. And I think mm-hmm. this is a great example of that you can use word of mouth online. And you don't have yeah. to be like the social media goddess all over the place and always <laughs> yes. connected and promoting everything. Because that <laughs> like for a lot of people listening, that really turns them off this whole like, yeah. oh shout about yourself all the time on social media. And yep. I think like where you're offering also, you're offering a personalized service. You can't have a hundred thousand people sign up. No, no, I can't. Yeah. People who are who
1: really are, are driven to make changes to their health that are really interested in following their blood work data and their health data. And I think once that kind of comes together and then we do our first call, they know and I know, you know, is this a good fit or is it not? Or do I need to send this person to somebody else? I think people poo-poo it because there is, you know, a big problem with word of mouth is that you can't necessarily turn it on and off when you need to. So I still have those kind of ebbs and flows in my business where things will get really busy and then, you know, be a little bit calmer. But that's the path that my business takes. And I know that now. And so I can plan for it. I wouldn't be anywhere without word of mouth. It's my biggest way that that I've
0: grown. Do you like encourage your clients to tell other people about you or it just happens organically? I, I've tried, oh gosh, I've tried so many things, things that I'm like
1: embarrassed about now. Like when I was in a physical practice, I actually went door to door to introduce myself to the community, which was awful. And it was because of some course that I had taken on marketing that was the really kind of, you know, the sleazy forceful, just not organic with, you know, my personality whatsoever. And so I've tried all of those things. And then online, that translates to, yeah, really being forceful with social media, which I've also kind of tried out to try it on. And I, you know, especially if you're marketing your business, you have to try on all these things. You got to see like what feels right, what feels icky, what does your personality, what works well with your personality, because some of those more forceful marketing methods for different personalities work really well. But I'm a little bit more introverted. I'm, you know, a little bit more quiet about things. I just don't, You know, asking people to refer and things. I'm very, I don't really do that. I think that for me, it doesn't work very well. It doesn't translate very well to people. And so it really just happens organically by getting people, you know, the results that they want and making sure that they're really happy. I'm very um, customer service driven. And so, although it's not always perfect, I really, really want to want people to be satisfied and I want to over deliver on what I'm promising. And so I think all of those things when i do them it brings other people to me just organically
0: absolutely a little while back you mentioned that thank goodness it took a while to build because you didn't have <laughs> the systems in place to handle all of those clients in the beginning so can you talk a little bit about what those systems are that have been so important for you
1: yeah so initially it's such a it's a tricky thing cuz when you're starting you don't have enough funds to really do some of those things that you need to do to grow And you're not sure when exactly to do them. And it's such a, it's a juggling act because you're not exactly sure when to like jump to that next level. And the next level for me that made a huge difference was hiring someone, which I know everybody says like hire someone before you're even ready, before you can afford it. And you know, you still have to be able to, to afford it. But I did end up hiring one person that really just transformed my practice because it freed me up to do a lot of other things that I wanted to do. And I, you know, took people's advice and I hired them, you know, on a very, very part time basis. But still, you know, before I was making amount of money where I was comfortable hiring someone and I just made it work. And, the, you know, I was living in really inexpensive places and my overhead was very, very low because of practicing virtually and not having a physical brick and mortar practice to pay for, you know, rent every month and that kind of thing. So that did help in a big way. I really, really, you know, decreased all my expenses. My overhead for my business was really, really low. And I put all of that, all of my kind of funds into hiring someone to help um, with some of the day to day things. So originally, they just started doing a lot of organizing and emails and a lot of just clerical basic things that I was spending, you know, lots of time doing that weren't really generating a lot of income. It was just kind of busy work. And so that jump really gave me a big jump start to the next level. And I think in any business, there are tasks that if you really sat down and thought about it, it might be the busy work that you make yourself do so that you feel like you're doing something. But they're the things that really are our time sucks that, you know, are not generating you any income. And there's more important tasks that you could be doing. And so I think realizing that and saying, okay, these are the things that I do every day, and I just started writing them down, like, this is, you know, this is not an important task, but it needs to get done. And it's something that I could teach someone else to do. So I started writing those down, gave them to the person that I hired, which ended up being a really great fit. And then I came to the realization a year later that I needed to hire another one. So I had two part-time people. And since then, that's kind of what has happened. Now I have more of an executive level assistant that has helped other executives kind of get to the next level. And so she's been incredible and in helping me even, even more. And then I have one place that I found to hire from for me that has worked really amazing is hiring from some of the other naturopathic schools. So students that are really eager to learn how to work online and just, you know, how different doctors work and it's the work that they can do while they're in school. And so I've hired them to help with some of the blood work data entry and things like that. that They're really excited about anyway. And The great thing about that is I hire one good person and then they graduate and they're going to become a doctor and they're going to leave. But they send me they know somebody else that's a really good student that really would like to do what they do or they already know that that person is working for me and they would want to take over. And so it's been like this self been able to refer me other students that just continually, you know, as, as the one graduates, another one comes in. So I haven't had to search for people, which has been really, really amazing.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. And I don't think we've talked about hiring students here before on the podcast. So that's really cool yeah. to mention that. So I don't know. Did you have any experience managing? Had you managed people in previous jobs before? Like, Because I know for a lot of listeners they don't have any experience delegating and managing tasks. And that can be, I mean, there's the hiring piece, which is quite intimidating. But then even figuring out how do you delegate this stuff? How do you train somebody and get them up to speed? What did you learn through that process?
1: Yeah, I, I did not have any experience with that. I mean, I really, I mean it. I've been in school my entire life. And so when I graduated, I had very little, you know, I had some summer jobs and I had jobs here and there, but I really didn't do, I didn't have any real life work experience other than things that side jobs and things that I created. So the hiring piece, it was really intimidating. I think the exciting thing about hiring a student was they were, I could identify with them emotionally and mentally. And I knew the process that they were going through as a student. And so that gave me kind of the confidence to be able to guide them through things, to be able to identify with them. They also look at you as somebody who you know, knows what they've been through and have got gotten to the end of it, the end of school, and made something of it. And so I think it was a really good move for me because it gave me the confidence to kind of help lead somebody because I knew what they were going through in terms of school and and boards and graduation and all of that. So it gave uh, us a way to really bond and gave us a good working relationship. So one thing that I learned early off though, um, or early in the beginning stage, is that I needed to. And I know everybody talks about this, but create written systems or SOPs of every small little thing that I did. And so that's how I started before I hired someone. I basically listed what are the five tasks that if I you know, didn't have to do them every day, I would have more time to do other things. I didn't even worry about what those other things were going to be. I just listed, OK, there's these are five things that just are easy to do that I could tell someone else how to do. And I wrote down word for word exactly what I did and a lot of times filmed myself on my computer doing it. And then I gave that to them and said, okay, these are the five things I want you to do, read through them, watch how to do it. And then I want you to write your own SOP on the steps to do this thing. So that if you were training someone, you could teach them how to do it. And really have just kind of built a framework of these SOPs and and standard procedures for doing every step of my business. And then every year we kind of review and go through and figure out, okay, do we need to update these? Do we do this differently now? Do we need to get rid of this? And it really has helped to kind of form my business and move things forward.
0: Oh my gosh. That I mean the process you describe is exactly what I've done too, yeah. where you like you have to be really clear about the tasks that you want and then just film mm-hmm. yourself doing them with a screen yep. share no. and Amazing. then give it to the assistant and then ask that person to actually turn it into like step by step with screenshots in their yep. own words. And then you've got SOPs, which are standard operating procedures, if anyone yep. doesn't know. But that it sounds like I remember when I first did it, I thought this is a little bit ridiculous because it's like just me. <laughs> (laughs) On my blog, you know, but actually, like that. Oh, it's so good because then, like one time, my assistant left and I had to find a new one, and like then you've already got all the documents. Like yes, so makes
1: hiring someone so so much better. And even if something that you're doing seems very menial, like you wouldn't have to explain it in so many steps to somebody because it's so simple. It's like the process of learning how to do that, and gradually things get more and more complicated. And if you start when things are really easy and you just slowly build up like that, it doesn't get to an overwhelming stage where you feel like, okay, now I have this whole business. I have no idea how it works. I don't have any systems. I need to hire people. I don't have time to do that because I'm busy. It's like things that if you can start when you were small, it's really a luxury. You might be at a place in your business where you can't do that because things have gotten a little out of control. And what you need to do is just really you know, take it back to the most simple tasks that have to be done every day, make the SOPs around those and then slowly start building from there. But yeah, I use my, you know, my virtual assistants that I have. is It's like the, the number one thing that they do is really organizing things and creating systems so that when somebody else comes in, I know exactly what they're doing, how they do it, and how to train somebody else to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Are there some tools that you like couldn't live without in your business collaboration tools or I I don't know the things that yeah your favorite yeah I couldn't
1: live without slack slack is definitely my favorite it's a kind of a chat it gets everything out of email in the beginning I was with my assistants I would just email back and forth and emailing gets so complicated because you can't search very well and it doesn't record everything over time so that you can easily, you know, reference something or if you need to do a task you can't just create a to do from that message and so slack is a a way to communicate with your team as little or as big as they are and it's just a really really nice nice tool that that I kind of adopted in the beginning when I felt like I didn't really need it but I got really used to using it and now it's just like a savior. The other thing is is I found an email system that I use called Help Scout. And it's basically just, yeah, customer service. Do you? Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's really amazing. You can really give emails jobs, which is what I like to do. You can they can trigger things automatically depending on what kind of email is coming in. And they get it's just very organized, which I really like. I use Google Docs a lot right now and Dropbox for various things, but as things have grown and new tools, really exciting tools for like blood work interpretation and you know data, the thing with blood work that's really tricky is that the way that labs give blood work result documents now are really clunky and really terrible. And they don't really involve the patient or the client at all in their health because it's really, it's, it's made for a doctor and it's just not very... It's not very user friendly if you actually are interested in kind of taking control of your own health and understanding what things mean. And so there are company, lab companies now that are you know creating more user friendly reports that help you to understand. Okay, what does it mean when your glucose is high, and how high is is yours compared to the general population? How high is it compared to the optimal you know person's glucose? It's not very informational and educational, and so which is kind of the piece that I play for people is helping to assimilate that information that they have from their doctor and from their blood work and put it into, okay, these are the things that this meet you know, this is what this means. And this is what means for you in terms of how you can create actionable steps to improve your health based on looking at this data, because it's just not really used that way. A lot of times, you know, you go into the doctor and you have your blood work report and your doctor will just say, everything looks good. And that's really the extent of the conversation. Everything looks good. So there's some exciting tools coming out now for, because more and more people are are asking for it. They want it. They want to be more involved in their own health. They want to make decisions based on the information that they're paying for beyond just what the doctor tells them to do. They want to be involved in that decision. And so there's really cool tools that are kind of used now to track your data and get information from it and understand what it's telling you. So those are things I'm playing around with now. And I haven't jumped yet into that. But this year is going to be a big year for that and kind of involving some of those tools that will be really nice for people.
0: So to shift gears a little bit, I'm curious to talk to you a little bit about this idea of lifestyle design. And I, Mm -hmm. I have a hunch that since you lived in Chiang Mai with the whole digital nomad crew, you've probably been intentional about creating your business to fit the desired lifestyle that you want, so yeah, maybe. So I'm curious, like, yep. how much did that come into play? Like, what are some of the things? What are your considerations when you think about like creating, growing your business in terms of lifestyle? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's kind of it's a
1: luxury that we now have because of the amount of tools that we have online that can translate even the most unconventional job to online. Like, my, I never expected that you know, with my medical degree, that I'd be able to work virtually, especially 100% virtually. And, you know, there most jobs, most interests, you can translate onto, you know, into online in some form or fashion, whether it's 100% or just a certain percentage. And so when I first started, there wasn't a lot of talk about lifestyle design, and I didn't really, and if there was, I didn't know that much about it. So it wasn't something that I did because of that. But traveling and meeting the people that I met while I was traveling I realized that my priorities were, they were different than what I thought they were. You know, my priority is to be able to live and work wherever I want to and to change that up often if I want to. I don't want to be, you know, travel is like a really big priority in my life. And I didn't really know that until I started traveling. And so now I really make decisions based on not just is that going to make me the most money, but is it something that i really will enjoy to do is it something that i think i you know i could benefit and give value to other people doing and is it fit into my life because one of the biggest priorities in my life as well as travel is my own health and a lot of the the work that i was doing before was a lot more stressful. And I think I kind of lost sight of my own health in the, the four years after graduating and figuring out how to open a practice and, and do all that. It was a really stressful time. And I think that I really lost sight of my own health. And it's a huge priority for me to practice what I preach. And when I have clients, I want to know exactly what they're going through and to have experimented with the same things that I'm asking them to do or to try. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly working on my own health and focusing on my own health and making decisions to, you know, whether it's my business or my personal life to really optimize the way that I feel and my quality of life and something that's going to support health in the long run. So now it's all about lifestyle design and making the making decisions based on what my priorities are and and how I want to kind of build things for the future. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, that's a great transition because I always like to ask about personal wellness because as wellpreneurs, you know, as mm-hmm. professionals in the wellness industry, like you have to also pay attention to your own health and wellness. But like you said, it's so it can be so hard, especially in the beginning when you're just like real or with family commitments, like really trying to get your business going. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are some of your personal routines and habits and yeah, things that keep you well as you're growing your business?
1: in the last couple years i've really discovered meditation meditation and yoga for me are are huge i've experimented with so many different exercise programs and mindfulness and practices and i'm always you know when i find something i i always try it out and so i've gone through a lot of different things to find that for me what works what i get excited about what i feel like i need to do you know on a if it's not always a daily basis, but you know, I try to make it daily as some form of yoga and some form of meditation just because that's what makes me feel good. But I think above that, what I really have learned in terms of ways to improve your health and maintain your health is that you have to be willing to experiment and experiment often. So I'm constantly reading about things, learning about things for myself, but also for my clientele because I always want to continue to have new tools and to be researching kind of what are the the resources that have come out that are really helpful or are you know the next thing that could potentially benefit somebody so experimenting and being willing to do a lot of experimenting I think is really important thing and by that I mean like experimenting with different ways of eating experimenting with different exercise programs different types different tools experimenting i mean doing your blood work or doing different tests is is a form of experimenting obviously to see how does your certain diet and lifestyles change your your body physiology and chemistry really i think that willingness to experiment a lot of people get discouraged because they tried you know they tried something like they tried a whole 30 or they tried the paleo diet or they tried a vegetarian diet and it didn't work and so that means therefore they don't need to do anything else and it's kind of, you know, that excuse of, oh, well, I tried something, it didn't work. Therefore, I can just throw in the towel and not really make any different, you know, and, and stop experimenting. And that, that experimenting, I think, is what keeps things moving forward, even if every experiment isn't something that's a good fit for you. It's the fact that you are putting, really focusing your effort into something, you're learning something, which means your brain is growing. And you're just putting more tools into the toolbox of, okay, I know what it felt like to do that. Therefore, I'm going to make decisions based on that knowledge that I gained from doing that experiment. So it's really this last six years has been like just one big series of experiments where I'm constantly trying to see what different things feel like and what it's like to do different things so that I can be in the shoes of somebody when I'm recommending them to follow you know, a whole 30 for a month to really figure out, okay, what is what does food mean to you? And what is it like when you just eat whole foods for 30 days and and seeing kind of what what that does for people, I want to know what that has done for me so that I can identify with them as they're doing it. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is just being very open and continually hungry to do
0: more experiments on yourself. So if you could go back and talk to the you, you know, four or five years ago, living in Chiang Mai, just at the start of this journey, what advice would you give her? In the beginning, I think I, I spent
1: a lot of time worrying and stressed because I didn't have it figured out. And I didn't, I'm a very organized, um, or I like to be very organized. I'm not always organized, but I like to have things things organized and figured out, which is such a Especially feeling like you know you have everything figured out before you do it. It's just never. It's just not not how you succeed. And I think I learned that in order to succeed, you have to be willing to fail, and you have to be willing to just dive in and do it. And sometimes it's going to work, and sometimes it's not. And that is what successful people do. They're willing to. They're willing to fail. They're willing to suck and kind of go through that that uncomfortable process of growth. And before I set out to travel, you know, I I, I had read. Tim Ferriss's book. And so I was interested in kind of creating something online. And I I didn't think it would be my main thing. I thought it would just be like a side project. And, you know, I felt like, well, if I could create some kind of side project like that and think about that while I'm traveling, you know, then potentially that's something I could grow when I come back and and set up my practice. And I really had a lot of worry about having all the details figuring out, knowing how to do it, knowing what that thing would be that was going to be the thing I would create online. And I think I realized when I started traveling that the answers are in doing the thing. So I just set out to travel through, you know, luckily my husband is, he grew up traveling and he really kind of pushed us to go and do this so that I could experience kind of what he experienced growing up. And so I also had that support from him to just be like, let's go and let's do it, even though we don't know exactly what we're doing or how long we're going for. And so in my mind, I was like, well, I can do anything for three months. I'll just go. And I found that like in just doing it and kind of jumping in, all of those answers came. And so I think I would just not, I would tell myself not to put all the, the worry and the effort and the mainly just worry and, and thinking that I needed to have it all figured out when really you just figure it out along the way.
0: Mm. So, so I'm just over here nodding. Like, that is so true. If I think about the hours and hours and hours I spent (laughs) journaling about what's my path and what am I supposed to do, but actually, like, you just have to keep trying it. No, absolutely. (laughs) And then some of it works and some of it doesn't, but that's the only way you can figure it out. So, oh, it has been so great to talk to you, Alexis. Um, so nice to talk to you too. Can you tell us, like, what's your What's the best way to get in touch with you? What's your website? How can people check out your work?
1: Yeah, so my website is dralexashields.com. It's actually in it's kind of under construction right now. So new website is coming in the new year as soon as I can get that all those pieces together, it will happen. So that's coming soon, but if you want to go to my current website, you can see kind of what I'm doing and and um, get in touch with me there. There's a contact page if you want to send me a message or ask a question. And then I'm also I have a Facebook page where I post just interesting articles and things that I learned throughout the year. So whether it's a resource that I learn about, or a research article, or an interesting uh, blog post that somebody writes, I kind of, because I'm constantly looking for all of that good information, and, and I wanted to curate it in one place. And so my Facebook page, which is just if you search for Dr. Alexis Shields on Facebook, that's where you can find it.
0: Awesome. Thank you. And of course, as a wellpreneur, you're totally welcome to join our listener community on Facebook, which is the Wellpreneur community. We are in there chatting about episodes. And well, it's, you know, it's all your people. So you're welcome to come hang out with us too, if you want. <laughs> Perfect. I That's will be awesome. So. Thank you so much for being with us, Alexis. It's been really great. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks. You. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can get all the links in the show notes at wellpruneronline.com and come hang out with us in the Wellpruner community group on Facebook. And also don't forget to grab your copy of the Wellpruner Planner, which is available on Amazon worldwide. We're talking about it in the group, but whether you've got the book or not, whether you're in the group or not, you can use the planner to plan an incredible 2019 for your own wellness business. So I'll leave you with that this week, and I'll be back here next week for the very final episode of season four of the Wellpreneur podcast. See you next week.